Hi, and welcome to Healthy Vibes for Women with me, Danny. Today's episode is slightly different from the usual um, podcast um, um, episodes I've been having so far. And that's because uh, my guest today is going to be talking about mindset and shifting behaviors. Um, It's a topic um, kind of somewhere familiar with, but because she's an expert at things like this, she would be able to talk more about it as usual, of course. So I am going to let the um, tape roll, as they say, and um, I hope you get a lot out of this interview that well, I've had with my guest, who will introduce herself. Um, yeah, feel free to share, as usual. Hi, I'm Jenny Blumenthal. I'm the CEO and founder of Corporate Rehab, which is a leadership company that focuses on helping leaders thrive and get to the next level in leadership without losing themselves in the process. I'm also the author of a best-selling book uh, by a similar title, Corporate Rehab, Ditch the Hustle Culture and Thrive Again. And it's a story of my 20 years in corporate America, um, ascending the corporate ladder, and then finding out that I actually wanted to do more with my life in different ways, and not really knowing what kept me stuck so long, um, and how to make some of those intentional decisions. So I wrote a book about my process to ditch the hustle culture that keeps us um, on on paths that sometimes we're meant to step off of for longer than we intended. And it interviewed uh, the stories of 300 other executive women in their stories of getting caught up in the hustle and what we can do to detox from it and rehab to live our lives uh, in a more purposeful way, with or, whether or not you ditch your job in the process. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I had a little glitch there. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, so basically, I, I like what you said about the rehab culture and um, uh, I'm sorry about rehab. And so what I wanted to pick on was the hustle culture as well. So I wanted to sort of like um, talk. I wanted to talk about if you could talk about, you know, how we get out of this hustle culture and then start our own rehab, because I was reading your um I was I was read, I went into your website and you talked about you know starting your own rehab. So, but I wanted to first of all, you know, sort of address the um, hustle culture and how we can get out of that and start our own rehab, like you said. Okay, well, the hustle culture is really this constant feel of always having to be on, always having to be productive, um, and it really keeps us uh, hustling for our worth outside of ourselves, and it can show up just as easily for someone who's in a boardroom and trying to constantly go, go, go and push their team to deliver more results. Um, And in that culture, it could show up as you're only as good as your last deal. Um, And it could also just as easily show up with, you know, a mom trying to constantly sign her kids up for all of the activities and make sure that they don't miss a thing and constantly be posting about all their experiences um, on social social media. And it's this constant feel that we have to be busy. We have to be productive. We need to be happy and showing everybody how happy we are, um, which is different from hustle and grit and ambition and things that are absolutely needed, um, you know, to 
to close a deal, to get a kid out the door with shoes on. Um, <laughs> but really what, uh, what, what happens when we're stuck in the hustle culture is that we really just get stuck in that high gear and we don't ever switch off. Right. So it's, we, we switch straight from maybe delivering, you know, 60 hours of work right into soccer sidelines and dinners and, um, and activities or family obligations. And then we Monday morning, we start the whole thing over again. And if we picture pretty much any analogy, a roller coaster that goes up and down, um, a field that has to lie fallow in between planting, like everything is seasons really, you know, are, are built, um, we are built for having, you know, moments of intense productivity and moments of rest, um, moments for thinking and dreaming up the next um, innovations in the world or what we want to do with our lives and moments for actually letting those things come to us or, you know, driving a team to, to go do those things. And I think the challenge is when um, our, our culture, sometimes just within, um, you know, our society, sometimes within the cultures in which we work, sometimes the culture in which we were raised in or in our current family situation, some aspects of that can lead us to feel like we have to be constantly performing. We have to constantly be producing and there is no time to rest because we're not enough or we must do more. Or if we have enough money or financial security or status that will help us to not feel vulnerable. And so really the process of, um, of detoxing from this wholesale culture is really understanding how much of an impact it's, um, it's taking in your life. And the process that I write about in the book is a process that I took to detox from my own hustle culture. Once I, once I understood what it was, um, that was keeping me, you know, trapped or feeling like I was constantly having to prove myself and it's five steps and it stands for the letters of rehab. So R is recognizing your life story and the context for the values and the decisions that you've made. E is evaluate. So looking at all of the patterns, your mindsets, your energy, your relationships, just taking stock of your life and understanding what's working for you really and what's not. H is healing across mind, body, and spirit. And this really gets into the neuroscience and the body physiology of what happens when we're running on cortisol in our veins and this stress um, that we're all feeling um, from, from this constant activity and how you can actually start to heal yourself um, from that and, and be aware of it. A stands for arise. Um, after you've done some of that healing, how can you add back play and things that really make you excited about your life or your job again, um, if you're not constantly hustling on the hamster wheel. And then B is really building intentionally um, a roadmap of some of those choices that you're going to make or decisions you're going to take um, to just have a different dimension of your life and work than you might've had before, including who's the crew around you that's going to help you um, hold you accountable to some of these changes. So that's really the rehab framework um, that I've coached hundreds of women through as they look to detox from the hustle culture that's running within them as well. All right. Oh, brilliant. That's Thank you so much for that. Actually, I, I loved how you sort of like just spelled out rehab and, you know, what, <laughs> each letter me, what each letter means. And yeah, that's kind of like, obviously what we, you know, modern day culture and what we're going through in terms of all of that. And one of the other things I sort of like picked up again um, from, um, from your 
from you is the fact that we need to recognize and recover from being burnt out so and obviously that applies to all of us really and it's not just i guess it's not just adults as well because i mean kids get burnt out as well through their studies and so on so how do we then bring us back or back how then do we bring us back a spark back in to sort of because you talked about re-energizing your teams energizing the teams and setting them up to thrive so how can that be possible yes so i talk about burnout a lot and to your point i think it's because it's so prevalent in our culture so just kind of starting with that piece um i thought it was interesting as i researched for the book that the world health organization actually redefined the definition of burnout in 2019 before we hit the pandemic um, and acknowledged that chronic unmanaged workplace stress was now part of the definition so this context that you might have stress outside your job you might have caregiving responsibilities And on top of that, there's this chronic unmanaged stress based on these higher and higher expectations, uh, long hours, those types of things that are really um, contributing to burnout. And the the presence of burnout is really that place where you have exhaustion plus cynicism plus inefficacy, where you feel like nothing that you do really matters. And so I think it's important to kind of understand what we're talking about uh, when we talk about burnout, um, that those three... Um, symptoms have to be, you know, have to be present in order to consider it burnout. But the sources of it um, can can add that chronic unmanaged stress can really come from very different places. It could come from the place we think about when we see headlines like energy and time boundaries not being held and feeling like you're burning the candle on both ends. It's a very common um, aspect of burnout. And women in particular are more susceptible to that because of the caregiving status they typically um, uh, you know, operate within, whether wanted to or not, in terms of extra hours. Um, but the other piece to that, just thinking, you know, thinking about the, um, you know, where, where burnout really starts is actually burnout from boredom. There's a lot of times where people say, you know, they could be running at 80 miles an hour with a 60 hour work week and, you know, no time free on their calendar, but still bored in the sense that they don't feel meaning or purpose or a connection to the work that they're doing. They're just putting out fires and running fast, but, but not feeling really super connected. And this is where we see a lot of worker disengagement really um, on the rise. And so what I like to coach when I, when I talk either with individuals or teams who are going through burnout um, is the first piece. um, And this is, is really about relighting the spark within your job Um, The first piece is really about safety. Do you have the psychological safety um, to be able to look at what are the the true sources of that burnout? For example, um, if you are being asked to put in extra hours at work or return emails at 11 o'clock at night, but you know, you're not sure whether you can bring that up with your boss for fear of retribution, it's not safe, right, to explore the rest of what might be contributing. So I think that's the very first place to start or just as easily and and sometimes a little scarier. um, Maybe it's a situation at home. Maybe there's not, um, you know, there's not equal caregiving being split and you're really nervous to bring that up with, you know, the, the people in your home. And so that's what we talk about when we talk about psychological safety is 
um, and Amy Edmondson did, has great work on this, um, where you really need to just make sure that you feel safe to bring that up and to, and yes. to say something's not working here. Um, because that foundation of trust and safety is going to be crucial to any other changes that you make. So once that's been established, then we start to look at your your own purpose and the purpose within your job is, is stands for the P in SPARK. Um, and that's really because your why, as Simon Sinek says, is really more important than you know the what or the how. Like what is it that you're taking away from that job or contributing to that job that makes you excited about, you know, putting your feet on the floor every morning when you wake <laughs> up and getting out of bed. Um, and I think it's important because sometimes it's so easy when we're racing so hard and we're caught up in all of the normal mundane and exciting and draining things in life. It can be very easy to disconnect from the things that give us that meaning. So it's important to kind of call that out. And hopefully those things that give us meaning change over time because we could be at different stages in our lives. We could be looking for new things and in, in um, what, what gives us meaning, you know, we reserve the right to grow as humans and have that yeah. change. Um, and then the A really comes from your ambition or how are you going to harness all of the effort you could put out into the world and point it towards that purpose so that you're not just, you know, doing someone else's agenda and actually, you know, making sure that Everything else is going really well for your bosses or your kids or your spouse, but not actually pointing it towards the things that are the most meaningful because, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day and it's easy to spend yeah. those on other things, whether yeah, that's you know, social media, right? Um, so that's about pointing it intentionally. Um, and then, you know, as we start to look at the next steps, the R stands for reset, where you actually say, what's holding you back from doing that today? You know, is it that you don't believe that your purpose, you know, can be something that you get paid to do is that, that you have so many other responsibilities that it would be great to work on something purposeful, but I've got to put food on the table and really just getting honest with yourself about what holds you back from that. And then the K is know and grow. As I said, boredom is mm. one of the things that really is such a killer of our meaning and purpose that, um, if we're constantly looking for ways to grow in our career or even grow in our lives, um, maybe it's meaning that you find outside of a job that actually re-energizes you to, you know, put the effort into your work and find meaning in a service opportunity or, or mentoring. And so if we think about ongoing ways to know and grow, um, that really can help us keep relighting that spark um, and avoid burnout in the future. So that's really what I, I teach on when it comes to uh, understanding burnout in the first place and relighting the spark within your job. Oh, wow. That is so brilliant. I guess going on to the next next question, you're, pro you're probably going to spell that out for me. I'm hoping you will spell that out for me. And that's the thing <laughs> And And so uh, there was the bit where, uh, where I read about where you said, where, where, you, if you, mentioned, where you mentioned how to lead without losing our, as a leader, how to lead without losing yourself and then recognizing uh, leadership trans, trans, um, transition that you need to make it to make it work. So mm -hmm. how how is that? So basically, I guess what I'm asking is how is that possible? So as a leader, how how is the possible? How how does that work? Losing yourself, you know, you said about losing yourself. Yeah. Yeah, how how the dangers obviously, and then how can you then, if you find yourself as a leader, 
feeling like you're losing yourself, how then you bring yourself out of that and right. gain control. Yeah. So I think, um, I think this really shows up, especially for women. Um, but I think really it's very easy to lose ourselves as we're hustling for, you know, um, whether it's the next level or hustling for our worth or validation or whatever it might be, it's really easy to lose ourselves in all of the roles that we play. Um, you get to a point where I started to interview a lot of these women and they said that they got to a point where, um, that each of their roles felt like verbs, like I mother, I daughter, you know, and you forget who's the person in the middle of that Venn diagram of all of these roles you know, and, and start to disconnect from that a little bit. Other times it's not the roles as much as the um, organization or the culture that you're in, that you feel like you have to show up differently in order to yeah. be accepted or to get ahead. And so it's very easy to lose touch with the very gifts that actually help you be even more successful at work because you don't feel like it's safe to show up, you know, totally authentically. And so I think here there's, there's a real reconnection with ourselves that needs to, to happen first to understand what are the gifts that you bring to the table? What is unique about, you know, you and what feels authentic to you? And then taking that look around and saying, Again, is it safe to show up as that person or do I feel like I have a work persona and a home persona? <laughs> um, and how can I start to knit those two things together? Um, and I do have a Thrive model um, when I when it comes to talking about the cultures that I think we can lead as leaders to make things, to make us all thrive. Um, so much of that is kind of recognizing what different type of leadership transition you're in, whether it's just you finding your voice for the first time or whether you're actually trying to use your voice to help others. Um, but the Thrive Model really is a high-level set of values um, that I think are, are really imperative for uh, cultures that actually have humans that thrive at the center of them as opposed to machines that produce, right? Yeah. Um, so the T stands for trust, that culture of trust and psychological safety, again, is foundational to everything. I think if if we say we trust employees, but then we're driving compliance and and making sure that you know they're only paid for certain things or nickel and diming them if they're not at work you know, and in the building, then that really doesn't demonstrate a lot of trust and you're going to have a harder time engaging people moving forward and asking them to come along on a journey with you. So I think that's the very, that foundational piece of trust for T is really crucial. Um, the H is actually uh, help, asking for and receiving help yeah. and modeling that vulnerability where needed. And I think this is really important because so many of us, we're either raised in cultures or homes or work in cultures where vulnerability will get you eaten alive. Um, yeah, and I absolutely. Think that's, right. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it, I can identify that. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's hard because I actually interviewed one woman who said, look, I love the work that Brene Brown has done on vulnerability, but in our culture, you know, you will be eaten by the wolves if you're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such an interesting um, and descriptive um, piece that she was mentioning that like, it sounds great to bring all these pieces of yourself to the, to the job, but 
unless everyone's doing it, you know, then you just become, you know, the first person to go down. Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting one to just try to, you know, model some of that vulnerability so that the rest of your team feels safe to let down a little bit of their guard, which I think is, is an important piece. Um, the R stands for respect. So modeling that respect and autonomy across the organization. The reason I included this was it sounds like it's table stakes, right? That, okay, why would you have to include that in the model? But when they actually did some really interesting um, research on what drove the great resignation, a lot of us would say, oh, it was the fact that daycares were closed or people were trying to you know, leave for a better job once they didn't have to commute. But what they found was what really drove the biggest driver of the great resignation, Donald and Charlie Sull did some great research on this, and it was actually respect that most people felt if they didn't have respect within their organization, they they were seeing other jobs posted, they were hearing from other people that were making changes, and they felt that they were finally at a point where they could leave. So I thought that one was an interesting one since that was, it had a 10x, 10 times impact in terms of um, you know the amount of impact it had on whether someone left or not. Um, so it's significant in terms of the, the types of culture. Um, I stands for impact. So uh, focusing on your, your purpose and connecting it to the organizations, which I think is one of the things we talked about a little bit. Um, I'd like to, to just flag though, that this is very different from the, a lot of the way organizations manage today, which is really focusing on productivity and output and not impact. Um, we say we want impact and then we pay people based on hours and butts and seats. And so I think it's a shift that we need to make to look at what are the tough problems that people are solving and what are the impacts they're making, regardless of where they're working or how they're working. Um, v stands for values. And I think that's pretty straightforward. And then E is empathy, um, valuing connection with others and the role of emotion in the workplace. And I think What's interesting about that one is when I start to think about the future of work and get asked to speak on topics related to, you know, how is work evolving, I think the things that we've considered in the past to be hard skills are really going to be table stakes of having, you know, reading a financial statement or, you know, doing whatever functional job you have. And the things that will start to set us apart as leaders are how we treat each other and what type of empathy um, that we really bring to the table and how emotionally intelligent we are as opposed to um, just mentally intelligent. So that's the Thrive model that I think based on the research is the things I saw against uh, across the best cultures that are really helping their leaders thrive. Well, thank you so much for that. So basically now we've covered rehab, talk and thrive. So that that's something I guess is um, what resonated with me is the fact that as women, we have to kind it's almost like we really have to prove ourselves in the workplace and mm -hmm. and show that we're not just um we're not just there when you know I think that old saying about you're not just a pretty face and mm -hmm. you can actually do the job and and sometimes it's really hard, especially when you obviously being in a maybe say a male dominated um environment, I think it's a lot harder and right. so in terms of trying to you know. Uh, in terms of leadership, somebody who obviously wanted to go for promotion and wanted to go for that leadership role, how are they able to, how then can they stop um, stop themselves, I mean, help themselves, sort of, I guess what I'm trying to say is, how can they overcome this um, limiting beliefs because they feel that 
um, you know, a woman will say, oh, because I'm a woman and I'm not sure if I want to go for that role. And and then also to realize that, yes, they can go for that role. So sport is sort of like noticing that, hang on, something is not quite right here. How do I get over this um, sort of self-doubt and limiting myself that I can't do this? How can they overcome that and just, you know, gain that confidence and like you said, the spark as well and just go for right. that um, leadership role, for example. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think, and think part of what you're hitting on is the fact that, you know, there is, um, there's a behavior that happens that is along gender lines. I know there was the study that's been done that men will apply for a role if they meet 60% of the criteria, but women won't apply until they, you know, they meet 100%. And so there is this perspective of, I do need to, um, you know, prove myself before I'll put myself out there. And that becomes almost this reinforcing, um, you know, self-sabotage because then you're not putting yourself out there for things. And so there's fewer candidates or, or, you know, looking like you're not, you know, willing to take on that leadership. And some of that to your point is in the workplace where there's actual discrimination and sometimes it's unconscious bias. Um, versus outright, you know, um, discrimination you could point to. Um, But a lot of it is also within our heads and our bodies, to your point that we hold ourselves back. And so um, the the number one limiting belief that I hear across the board, and it shows up different ways, but the limiting belief is I'm not enough. And that's the one I hear from women the most. And it doesn't always show up as someone willingly saying, oh, yeah, I know that this is on a track in my head and I can tell you. Instead, it shows up as, oh, boy, I don't know if I can take on that role or, oh, I don't know if they'll really trust me to lead. Or if I lead, then what if they find out that I don't have this or that skill Um, or I should have, would have, could have. I wish I would have you know, known that the, the boss was going to ask for this in the PowerPoint next time, I'll just double down and spend four more hours building the perfect, you know, I should have known that thing. They're all kind of pointing back to this, this belief that I'm not enough. And, um, it really can wreak havoc to your point on a career, on a mindset, um, because the reality is all of us are enough. We're plenty. We might not have learned a skill yet, we might not have, you know, built enough of a collaboration with colleagues to be ready to take on that next role. Um, but those are things that can be trained to. Those are things that can be someone can sponsor you to or mentor you. Um, and so I think some of that is just shifting that track that's in your head. Um, and the first um, piece to that is actually recognizing it. Um, there's a wonderful acronym. This is not mine. This is Tara Brock, um, who does um, mindfulness and meditation. And she uses the RAIN technique. So RAIN stands for R is recognize. First, recognize, catch yourself in that limiting belief. And it's usually best to try to do it sometimes during meditation, but I find it's best to do it when you've made a mistake to just immediately think about what's the next thing that goes through your head. So say you were presenting to a boss and they asked a question you didn't anticipate, right? So it's very easy there to say, oh gosh, I should have known that, right? Immediately recognize that. And then the second thing is even the most important is allow it. That's what A stands for. And I think that's kind of funny because when I first learned this technique, I was thinking, allow it. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Well, 
the minute you recognize that I should have done this, what's the next thing we do? We jump to shame. Oh my gosh, I always do this. And I, I, if I had only planned this better and I always forget this and I, you know, maybe I should have gotten my MBA or whatever, we add on to it, right? Instead of just allowing it and letting it be and saying, oh, wow, I'm, I'm really beating myself up at the moment. The I stands for investigate. So go beneath that, that belief and say, is this true? Like, am I really bad at presentations or did this person ask something I didn't anticipate? And next time I'll actually think about how I can anticipate better or, well, they asked a really good question. They're really insightful and think about problems differently than I do. And so I think it's there. You just kind of pull the thread a little bit to, to try to figure out why was I thinking that way or why am I so quick to beat myself up? And then N is the actual, the hardest, I think for women, it stands for nurture and apply all of that nurturing we do in the rest of our lives to ourselves and say, you know, it's okay. And this isn't the end of the world. And I've got to give myself a little grace for whatever it is that I just, um, you know, messed up on as opposed to pouring shame on top of it, which just further disconnects us from ourselves. So that's the approach that I like to coach on and teach when it comes to reframing those limiting beliefs and just taking on something that's a truer belief. Like I'm just enough, or I actually do enough. Um, I, I haven't learned this skill yet. (laughs) Those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my final question will be, um, the five ingredients that you took, those also what I read again about the five ingredients for thriving leaders. Obviously, somebody that has been, you know, we're now sort of like, I'm moving on to the positive side where a woman has done so well and she wants to move on to the next level in leadership role. So what are the, what are those five ingredients? What are they exactly that you? Yeah. Yeah. Th- that was the thrive model. So that it's ah. the same for individuals versus teams. But I think part of it is, you know, just thinking about, you know, how can we, what are the things we can do to lead ourselves better? Um, and then how can we do that for each other by leading our teams better in a way that lets everybody thrive and have that room um, to bring themselves, you know, to work while getting to the next level in their careers. Okay. All right. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Well, I guess, like I said, that was my final question because you pretty much covered everything <laughs> I had, I had written down. I was like, Oh, I'm going to ask you this, and da, 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 da. but you know, you covered everything in rehab and spark and thrive. And yeah, it's, it's been an education for me and hopefully I hope that um, that everyone that's listening as well gets a lot out of this because us as women, you know, we 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 are undermined and when you saw the whole thing about the limiting beliefs as well, I think we also suffer from imposter syndrome as well. I know I know I've had that in the past and sometimes it kind of gets I'm like, Oh gosh, I can't do this, blah, blah, blah. Because right. yeah, but um I guess we just have to kind of real go, go uh, sort of like rise above all of that and know that as women, we can do more, uh, even though, even if we do work in say a very male dominated environment, you know, it's just a way of getting ourselves out of that rut, I guess. So yeah, it's been, it's been really, really nice talking to you and, you know, getting all the ins- insight, um, all these insights into how uh, we as women can be better in the workplace. So I really, I really thank you so much for coming onto my podcast and um, for everyone who is listening as well. I hope that um, 
like I said, that you get a lot out of this. And please, as usual, feel free to share this um, episode with your friends and your loved ones. And until next time, do take care of each other. Bye for now. I appreciate that, Danny. Thanks so much for having me on. And um, and then we'll definitely leave some of the information of where you can get your own copy of Corporate Rehab in the show oh, notes. Oh, gosh, yes. I forgot. I actually forgot before I go. Yes. Um, how can people, how can people um, get in touch with you if they wanted to connect you? I almost forgot that bit. <laughs> yeah, the, the easiest way. Well, good. Hopefully that means you were, you were listening and learning as you went. I love that. Yeah. Um, so the, the best place to go is my website, which is corporate-rehab.com. And there you can buy the book, which is also available on Amazon. Um, you can get a link to some of my coaching packages and some of the speaking that I'm doing for companies as they are trying to help their own leaders thrive. And then I post a lot on LinkedIn, Instagram, wow, Facebook, brilliant. and some on TikTok. Oh, thank you so much for that. So um, I, I do hope I would leave all the um, all the information in, in the, in the um, description notes anyway. So that way um, people can, can sort of like then click on the links and, and go on there. So once again, thank you so much. Great. Thanks so much for having me.